0: Thank you, Father. Making room. Making room. Making room. Why? Because God wants you to be greater than what you already are. He wants you to be greater. He sees things in you that you don't see about yourself. He sees your full potential. He says his word, for I know the thoughts and plans that I have for you, says the Lord. Thoughts and plans of peace, not evil, to give you hope in your final outcome. I know the thoughts. Don't allow your thoughts to hinder you anymore. Because see, He has thoughts. He has a final outcome.
1: Hallelujah!
0: Hallelujah! Go for it, baby!
2: God's presence. Let me tell you His glory. Catch me if I fall, okay? All right. (laughs) Oh, God is so good. Can I just tell you, he is faithful. He is faithful. Whether you know or whether you're faithful, he's still faithful. (laughs) We were singing that first song and that verse, just that one little phrase just hit me so hard that said, there is an ocean That's deeper than any fear. And I thought about that for a second. It's like, he's greater than anything that you're going through right now. (laughs) They don't even know how deep the ocean is, okay? And it's deeper than anything that you're going through. So it just tells me about the magnitude, the greatness of God. Um, This last week... Actually, for the last couple of weeks, I've been battling something in my body, physically. And um, last week, I took some time and stayed at home. And I asked the Lord, what do you want me to meditate on? What do you want me to study? Because I'm just going to get immersed in your word. And he said, study my faithfulness. Read about my faithfulness. That's amazing, you guys. That is like, whoa. It was just and you can't have a rela- revelation of God's faithfulness and not want to be faithful back. You can't have an understanding of how much God loves you and not love him back. Woo. Okay, so this morning I pray Isaiah 55, 11. Actually, I'll start on 10 because... It's kind of raining and sleeting and snowing out there. So it says, for as the rain and snow come down from the heaven and return not there again, but water the earth and make it bring forth and sprout that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. So shall my word that goes forth out of my mouth, it shall not return to me void without producing any effect It won't be useless, but it shall accomplish that which I please, says the Lord, and purpose, and it shall prosper in the theme for which I sent it. You are here this morning, and the Lord is just pouring his word on the inside of you, and it will accomplish its purpose in you. It has power. I don't have to make you do this. I don't have to do anything to make this word work. I just need to speak it in faith. And I believe what the word says, that it is alive and it is going to work on the inside of you. Yes, I believe your hearts are open this morning. I believe you're hungry to hear God's word and be changed and transformed. And you want to live from the inside out. Amen. I believe that. I believe that. Otherwise, you wouldn't be here. Thank you, Father. We're talking about God's glory We've been praying and saying every morning we get up, Lord, show me your glory. Show me your glory. I want to know your goodness, your presence, and your power. Hebrews 1.3, I want us to look there. It says, he, Jesus, he, Jesus, is the sole expression of the glory of God. The light being, the out rain or radiance of the divine. The message translation says that the sun perfectly mirrors God and is stamped with God's nature. He holds everything together by what he says. That's pretty powerful words. So Jesus is the glory of God, according to Hebrews 1.3. Now let's look at Hebrews 2, and I'm going to read 9 through 10. We've got all morning, don't we? We may be stuck here. It's okay, right? I don't have anywhere else to go. So, Hebrews 2, verse 9, it says, But we are able to see Jesus, who was ranked lower than the angels for a little while, crowned with glory and honor because of his having suffered death, in order that by the grace of God he might experience death for every individual person. Let's look at verse 19. It says, for it was an act worthy and fitting that he, for whose sake and by whom all things have their existence in bringing many sons into glory. Say, I'm a son. I'm a daughter (laughs) of God's glory. Amen. Woo! So making room, make room or making room for the harvest gives the idea or implication of something that we must do continually. You're continually making room. As much as we Americans, I'm sure every human being is like this, but I know we Americans, we like to gather and collect so much stuff, don't we? That we don't have enough closet space. We don't have any room in our garages. Do you know there's storage buildings popping up everywhere? Do you know that? Do you know why? Because we collect stuff. We do. There's no space. We, on a daily basis, however much, we are always collecting things in the natural, you know, collecting shoes and talk to my daughter and collecting water bottles and all kinds of stuff. We collect things, shoes and bags and clothes. But even in our minds, we fill our minds with unnecessary stuff that needs to be moved out in order to make room for God in order that our lives would continually reflect the glory of God in us through Jesus and the finished work of the cross. He's made us glorious sons and daughters, amen? You see, because what we feed our minds gets into what? Our hearts, by the way of meditation, and comes out of our mouths, and it becomes an action. But what we do, and whatever... Situation that our input and our output finds us in this morning, the word says in Romans 12:2, and we read it a few weeks ago, that we can be transformed or changed by the entire renewal of our mind. New ideas and new attitudes, it says. Change from the inside out, letting God bring the best out of you, the message translation says. Isn't that good? Change from the inside out, letting God bring the best out of you. See, my current state or condition isn't permanent. Say, my current state or condition is not permanent. permanent. Hallelujah. I'm being changed from glory to glory. I'm growing. I'm maturing. I'm being transformed and renewed by the word, by the word. I'm making room for God's greater glory in my life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I want us to look at Ephesians 4.22. I wrote these scriptures out so I didn't have to turn to them, but I will be turning to some. Ephesians 4.22. It says, Strip yourselves of your former nature. Put off and discard your old renewed self. Say old. old. This is so funny because I thought of this as I was reading this this morning or last night. It said I wrote down this is the one thing vintage that you don't want to keep. Okay, <laughs> is your old renewed self? You don't want to keep this. You don't. If you find it at an antique mall, don't buy it back. <laughs> Leave it there. Okay, your old nature, how you thought, how you lived. Which was influenced and corrupted through lust and desires, the word says, springing from delusion, trying to deceive you into, th- into thinking that you can get something or achieve something you never will. Because that's what the world does. I want you to know. That's what the world does. It wants you not to be transformed by the word. It wants you to be conformed to the world. It does. It wants you to be conformed to the world. It wants you to think like the world thinks because it says you're going to get further. You're going to do more. You're going to be more if you just do it my way. But that's not the truth. That's a delusion. That's what, that's what I just read. It's a delusion. It is, and I don't know if y'all have ever heard this, but I used to hear it all the time. It's the dangling carrot leading you nowhere. Have you all ever seen that picture of a dangling carrot in front of a horse or a mule or something? And it gets it to keep going, thinking it'll eventually get that carrot, but yet it's out here and they'll never, ever get it. That was the picture that I got this morning of what the world tries to do to us when we are conformed by the world. It's this dangling carrot. It's like if you could just get more education, you're going to get where you need to go. If you could just read another book, you're going to get where you need to go. If you could just have the right circle of friends, you're going to get where you need to go. If you could just do this, go to the right school, be on the right team, play the best, be the best, whatever. It's a delusion. It is a delusion. And you've got to strip yourself of that delusion this morning. Get rid of it. It's an old way of thinking. It's the world's way of thinking. And it is not going to get you anywhere. Verse 23 of Ephesians 4, it says, be constantly renewed in the spirit of your mind, having a fresh, say fresh, Fresh. I like fresh, I like fresh, having a fresh mental and spiritual attitude, verse 24, and put on the new nature, the regenerated self created in God's image. That means God-like like God God like like God God like like God okay or just like God <laughs> in other words in true righteousness and holiness his nature what's his nature what's his nature i know y'all come up with all kinds of words goodness oh his nature is goodness his nature is faithfulness his nature is love it's honor it's mercy his nature, wisdom. If I live faithful, show love and honor and be merciful, I will have wisdom. I will glorify my father. I will reflect and mirror him. That's called harvest. That is harvest to mirror him, to be God-like, like like God. God-like, like like God, just like him. God-like, like God, just like him because of Jesus Because of Jesus. Amen. Faithfulness. What does faithfulness mean? Well, I'll tell you because I looked it up. In the Webster's 18, what is it, 1828? Okay, I have that on my phone. Faithfulness, fidelity. We don't use that word a lot. Loyalty to obligations. Loyalty, that's a good word. Ooh. Vows. Loyal to vows firm adherence. I like that word. Adherence. That means sticky. That means like real sticky, like mousetrap sticky. How's that, Joseph? That's pretty sticky. Okay. Firm adherence to allegiance and duty, strict constancy of performance of promises, truth, veracity, habitual observance of truth, Habitual, like you can't get away from it. That's that's God. He cannot lie. So therefore, I cannot lie. Amen? No strain or wavering or wandering. No deviance from your stance, your faith or your belief. Faithful is not something you try. It's something you are. It's not what you just do. It's who you are. Amen? To glorify God is to mirror him back. Your faithfulness will glorify God. Amen? I wrote down, I just sensed this in my spirit. I I just heard the Holy Spirit say to me, he said, wait. I heard him say, slow down. And he said, consider or pay attention to my faithfulness and honor me. And now if I honor him, that means I'm being faithful. That's right. Okay, so we know that. that. We don't like that word wait. We don't like stop. Have you ever been having a good time doing something really fun and all of a sudden you have to, what, stop? Nobody likes to stop. Try to get a kid off of a playground. Have y'all ever tried doing that? Oh, my goodness. Oh, even though you told them we're only going to be here for five minutes or we go to Chuck E. Cheese and we say, you know, when the big hand gets to this, we're going to leave. Inevitably, they don't want to stop. They don't want to wait and, or stop. But I heard him say wait, and I heard him say stop, and I, I believe when you hear the word wait, it means to attend to, to be watchful, to expect, okay? And I, I saw in my mind's eye, so to speak, um, like a military stance when you're, that word slow down means at ease. But does it mean like sit down, lay down, put the cover over your head and just do nothing? No. If I understand it correctly, you're still waiting for what? The next instruction. Right? And I really sensed in my spirit that that's what he was saying this morning. Wait. Slow down. Just slow down. I need your fixed attention on what I'm getting ready to say next. Okay, or what I want to do next. Here's where we get into a lot of trouble, you guys, being old Christians or being Christians for a long time, not old Christians, is that we assume of what he's going to say next or what he wants to do next in everything, don't we? We do, we do. And that's where we get in trouble, right? Because we don't want to slow down. We don't want to stop what we're doing. We want to keep going. I know what God wants to do. I know, I've heard it. I know, I've heard it. No, we're living in the last days. He's got wisdom planned out for you. Wisdom, godly, great, amazing, strategic wisdom on your very next step. And you need to be slowing down. You need to be waiting, paying attention to the next instruction at ease, but still looking at your commander in chief, right? You're still looking at him because he's getting ready to tell you something. And I, I sense that so strongly you see, wisdom is the desired result, isn't it? Don't we want God's wisdom? Don't we want his ideas, his thoughts, his plans, his mind, his strategies? Don't we want that? I do. That's his presence. That's his glory as far as I'm concerned. I want us to look at Proverbs 2. And I don't want to take too long because I know the pastor has something to say. <laughs> But if you look at Proverbs, it's all about wisdom. And I'm going to read this just really quickly. It says, my son, if you will receive my words and treasure, treasure, that is honor. When you honor something, you treasure it. You highly esteem it. And a lot of times we don't esteem God's word. We don't esteem what he's going to say because we've already thought of what he's going to say. And we already know what he means. And we're just going to go ahead and just do it. You know, a, a long time ago, long time ago. Probably 20 something years ago, I heard the Lord tell me it was mud in your eye, is what I heard. <laughs> and you know, we have this mentality of how God's going to do something, but we never thought that Jesus would actually spit on mud and stick it in somebody's eye, right. did we? Uh-huh. No, that's gross. <laughs> That's just really nasty. I love hearing Dr. Savell's story of when he had to spit. And he's like, you know, and oh, the guy was blind, wasn't he? And he was so glad the guy was blind because here he's trying to, and he couldn't get it out. Because he's all dried up. And he's like, you want me to what? Well, mud in your eye means you don't know what God's going to ask you to do. And you need to be paying attention. And I knew that's what he meant when he told me that some 20-something years ago. And it was like mud-in-your-eye ministry. It's where you don't know what God wants you to do, but you need to be paying attention. Okay, you need God's wisdom. So, okay, got off on that. Let's come back again. Um, Verse 2, it says, making your ear attentive. You got to make your ear. I underline that in my Bible. Make your ear attentive to skillful and godly wisdom in inclining and directing your heart. You've got to direct your heart and your mind to understanding. It's in my, my translation, it says, applying all your powers to quest for it. Applying all your, as if your life depends it on, depended on it or somebody else's life depends, it on, yeah. depends on it. And it does, yeah. by the way. And it does. Verse three, it says, yes, if you cry out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, if you seek wisdom as for silver and search for skillful and godly wisdom as for hidden treasures, then you will understand the reverent and worshipful fear of the Lord. So the fear of the Lord is this hidden treasure, this wisdom. Okay, that's how you get it and find the knowledge it says in verse 6, for the Lord gives, perpetual, gives skillful and godly wisdom from his mouth and come knowledge and understanding. He hides away sound and godly wisdom. Isn't that good? He does. Okay, Proverbs 15. Let's just look there real quick. Verse 33, verse 33. Yes. It says, the reverent which means honor, faithful, the reverent and worshipful fear of the Lord brings instruction in wisdom. And humility comes before honor. Another word for honor is glory. So humility comes before experiencing glory. If you humble yourself, honor God, worshipfully fear him, you will have wisdom. You will have wisdom. What comes before disaster? It's found in the next chapter. When you think, pride does. When you think you can do it by yourself. When you think you can do it on your own. So wisdom is God showing up. And all of God in our spirits will put us and keep us on the wisest road and correct us when we say or do something unwisely. That's called humility. It's called humility. Um. This morning, as we're slowing down, I want us to really get a, an understanding of when you slow down, you're able to correct yourself and get back into alignment. Yeah. Do you believe that? Yeah. There's, it always says when you're out driving in ice, never overcorrect, right? Because if you're going too fast and you overcorrect, what happens? You can spin. You can get out of control really easily. So I thank you, Father, that this morning that we are changing our gaze and our focus on you. That we're getting clear and direct instruction and wisdom. Proverbs twenty four sixteen, it says that the righteous falls seven times, but he gets up. So it's okay to be told, slow down, stop. You got re- to get, get some redirection here get back in line. I don't want anybody to feel like, oh, I don't want to be told to stop because I thought I was doing so good. You know, I want to be changed from glory to glory. That's my desire. I want to glorify God more and more and more and more and more. If he says to me, slow down, I'm going to slow down. If He says, stand at ease. I'm standing at ease. I'm ready for the next instruction. I'm tired of trying to figure it out by myself and making the wrong decision, responding and reacting the wrong way. Amen. Amen. My desire is to glorify God. Yeah. I want us to look at Second Corinthians 3.18. And I'm going to close with this. We are called <laughs> to be a display of his glory and his splendor. Do you know that? I am called to be a display of his glory and his splendor. And why can't I find 2 Corinthians? There it is. A long time ago, I did a um, a ladies' meeting. It was the year, it was 2008, I believe, the year we got married. And um, we did a a ladies' meeting here, and we talked about the bee. Y'all ever heard the story about the bee? The bee's two fats, really not supposed to fly. Did y'all know that? It really is too fat for its wings, but God told it to fly, so it flies, (laughs) you know. And isn't that amazing? It's pretty cute. But he is, the bee is actually a display of God's glory and God's splendor. It doesn't know to be anything else. It glorifies God by flying when everybody else tells it it shouldn't. And that's how we are. The devil will tell us you can't glorify God. You're to this, you're to that, you're not enough of this, you're not enough of that. Your life will never glorify God, and He is a liar. You think about that bee. Everybody can tell it all day long, it can't fly. But guess what? It's going to fly. It's going to fly. I am a display of God's glory and his splendor. I am a display of God's glory and splendor. You tell the devil that when the devil tries to lie to you and tell you that you will never glorify God, that your life will not amount to be anything. You think about that B. Amen. I, I wrote that down at the bottom of this scripture because it says, and all of us with unveiled face, because we continue to be whole, In the Word of God, you got to continue to behold within here, you guys. Come on. As in a mirror, the glory of the Lord are constantly being transfigured into his very own image in ever increasing splendor and from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Woo! Amen. Thank you, Jesus.
0: So I guess this is tag. Tag. Hear it. <laughs> awesome. You. Awesome word. You know, it's it's so important for us to to understand what uh, you know, Pastor Net just deposited into our hearts about that slow down and wait, because oftentimes we can be in a hurry because, like I, like I said after worship, we talked about there's a Christianity of the mind, in the Christianity of the heart. Whereas this aspect of this is how I live. This is what I do. And, and I've got to, I've, I found my salvation in my doing. When I really need to understand my doing is the outflow of what my heart is. So if I, can, if I can fill my heart with the right things, then my doing will take care of itself. If I just fill my heart with what I'm beholding. And, you know, in, in, uh, in Micah chapter um, 6, you want to turn there. Micah chapter 6, you know, what, what Annette was saying about beholding, that as we continue to behold... As in a word of God that we are transformed. We, we are changed, right? And the word changed in that scripture is the same word that we use for metamorphosis. Like the same thing for a butterfly or a caterpillar becoming a butterfly is the same aspect that when we behold the right things, we'll be, will metamorphosize into exactly what God desires us to be. So, so it's what we're beholding. It's what we're looking at. It's what we're striving after is what we're pursuing that determines what we're ultimately going to be. But it's not found in your doing, you can do all day long, but until there's a revelation within your heart, nothing seems nothing will ever change. And I want to read the scripture to you in Micah chapter six verse six. it says, "Where will shall I come before the Lord and bow myself before the High God? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings with calves of a year old? Verse seven: Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams or with ten thousands of rivers of oil?" Shall I give my firstborn for my transgressions, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? So he's asking, how do I get right with God? How, how do, how will my life be changed? Do I have to do all these things? Now get 10,000 rivers of oil. Is that going to, is that really going to bring change to my life? Verse eight says, he has shown me. O man, what is good? And what does the Lord require of thee? But to do justly, to love mercy. And to walk humbly with my God. Amen. You see, if we, if we could understand this aspect of humility. And Annette used the word humility. And she used the word the fear of the Lord. You know, this aspect of the fear of the Lord. It's not being afraid of God. That God's going to get you. No, it's just this, this place where I stop. I come at ease. And I understand who's my source in my life. I love mercy. I do justly. And I walk humbly with my God. You know, as we continue to behold him, when I was thinking about beholding him and I was thinking about transformation, I think of Jacob. Here, Jacob, his whole life, he had been a deceiver. He had been a surplanter, as, as the word calls him. He meaning he desired a place of another. His whole life. And because of that, things happened and the enemy had entrance into his life and the enemy did certain things in his life because this is who he had been. But yet God had something greater for him. God had something more for what he was. He got has something more than you're a deceiver. And I want you to know this morning that God has something more for you. But the thing is, is you have to stop, be at ease and you need to come to a place where you humbly walk before God. Why is it so important to humbly walk before God? Because when you walk with him, he will reveal who you are. See, and it was when when Jacob got to the place where it said it was the angel of the Lord and it said he wrestled with him till day, daybreak. And Jacob said, I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. I'm not going to let you go until you bless me, until, until something's changed. I need a change in my life. I want a change in my life. But it wasn't until he got hooked up with God and God was able to touch the innermost part of his heart and bring about a change in him. And he named him Israel. One who contends with God. Hallelujah. But it's all in what you're beholding. I think about the Apostle Paul. Here he was a murderer. Yet he he thought he was doing the right thing. He thought he was going in the right direction. But yet when he encountered the gospel. He encountered the presence of God. He encountered the glory of God. He was changed on that road. See it's when you behold him. When you walk humbly before him. Let's go to Acts chapter 9. Acts chapter 9. Beholding Him. Thank you, Father. Humility. Humbling ourselves. Hallelujah. Acts chapter 9, verse 31. It says, So the church... King James says, Then had the churches rest throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria, and they were edified. What were the churches? They were edified. The churches were built up. The churches were strengthened. And they walked in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Ghost. And they were multiplied. What happened? The church was edified. The church was increased. Why? Because of how they walked. Walking in the fear of the Lord. He it said, "It's not being afraid of God, but it's an inviting God into every aspect of your life." Yeah. You know, Moses' declaration, "Show me your glory," was really a response of, "I fear you. I desire you. I need you in my life." And it was in this that the church was edified. It was in this that the church was built up. How much more in our personal life if if we'll give him a place and we'll give the Holy Spirit a place in our lives? Beholding him. Show me your glory. Let's go to Isaiah chapter 6. Thank you, Father. So many different things we could talk about walking with God. I think about Noah. It said the history of the generations of Noah. And it said this, that he walked with God. The history of Noah. I mean, if you want to know anything about Noah and what was said about him, he was a man that walked with God. If you go to Genesis chapter 24... And the Abraham servant is talking and saying, saying whom Abraham, my father, my, my, I'm a servant of Abraham and whom my, my leader, my, my, the guy I follow, he says, it says he's one that had this testimony that he walked with God. If you go to Genesis 48, it talks about Jacob is speaking and he goes with Abraham, Isaac and who, who my lineage, they had this testimony that they walked with God. And it was just the simple aspect of walking with God, walking with God. But what we have to get to a place is is not about what you think up here. The world we live in is dominated by what you think up here. And but does is it does is it really what God says in here? Is it really what God says in here? You're like, oh, I know God because he I know Jesus. He's like that. I heard about he's like that. And all of a sudden, all of a sudden, we 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 portray this Christianity that's not truly Christianity because it's really prideful in in itself. Instead of saying, God, what do you really say about this? How do you want me to think about this? In Isaiah chapter 6, I guess I need to get there. And this is such a picture that I think we need to grasp hold of. Verse 1 says, In the year that King Uzziah died, he said, I also saw the Lord sitting upon a throne high and lifted up and his train filled the temple. I love that. I saw the Lord high and lifted up. What was he? He was beholding the Lord. Wow. In the year that King Uzziah died, we don't know if this was before King Uzziah died or after King Uzziah died. It was, we just know it was that year. King Uzziah, he, he started leading when he was 16 years of age. He led for 52 years. He was one of the most amazing kings until he started doing things his own way. And what you have to understand is what happens at the head eventually trickles down through society. And, and so there's a society that we have is kind of like what King Uzziah came, had a lot of successes, but because they tried doing things their own way. So here's the environment. This is this is what the the prophet's trying to get across to us. The environment was a certain way, but yet the prophet said said I see the Lord high and lifted up. And it says in his train or his his uh, and it says his train filled the temple. He goes above it. I stood ser- I, 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 above it. Stood seraphim. Each one had six wings. With two he covered his face, and with two he covered his feet, and with two he did fly. And one cried unto another and said, Holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory and the posts of the door moved at the voice of him that cried and the house was filled with smoke Now get this here the prophet is seeing something and he's and he's seeing what's happening in heaven And I love what Jesse Planus talks about this why do why do the angels always say holy 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 He said every time they go around the throne of God he said they see a new facet of him Holy 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 Holy, holy, holy. Holy, holy, holy. He saw the presence of the Lord. When you come into God's house or when you have your prayer time, do you consider how holy he is? So this isn't about being afraid of him. Huh? This is about, are you in love with him? Have you, have you allowed him to invade your heart? Not your mind your heart. Verse 5, Then said I, woe is me for'm undone because I'm a man of unclean lips and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips for mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. You see, when you see Him, see, this isn't Christianity of the mind. This is, this is so of the heart, meaning when I see Him, I recognize the adjustments I need to make. This isn't about trying to fulfill some sort of law. This is, this is about seeing Him and allowing Him to shape you. Allowing Him to mold you. See, when you really get into God's presence, it's, it, it's like He's going to reveal to you the adjustments that you need to make. That's why as we get into his word and we continue to behold his word, it says, it says all of a sudden we're changed by it. Why? Because I'm seeing the adjustments I need to make. Stop, stop making your Christianity about things you're comfortable with. But allow that you're in relationship with him and you're, you're, th- his presence to come in and allow to make the adjustments to realize, you know what? This isn't right. This thought process isn't right. These actions aren't right. So as you look at Him, I'm telling you, and you allow your heart to to be consumed by Him, you'll start making adjustments. And it's not about have to, it's about, you know what, I see that. Okay, yeah, I see that. I see that. Woe is me, for I'm undone, because I'm a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people with unclean lips, for mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the angels, seraphim unto me, having a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with the tongs from the altar, and he laid it upon my mouth and said, Lo, this has touched thy lips, and thy iniquity is taken away, and thy sin is purged. And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And who will go for me? Then said I. Here am I. Send me. You see. When you're in his presence. Not only will he. You'll be conformed. Into the image of Jesus. But you'll also. Live like Jesus. You'll walk like Jesus. You'll go like Jesus. And it's not something you have to work up. It's not something that oh, I guess I need to be obedient. No, it's just out of the outflow of this relationship that you have with God. But it all comes from beholding Him, walking with Him, making room for the glory of God, making room for the greater things comes when we humble ourselves, we come at ease, and we choose to focus on Him, focus on His Word. You know, most people, you don't need to tell. You don't need to tell the world necessarily they're sinners. It's not about you telling them what they already are. It's not for me to, to pull out your failures. But the issue comes down to what I need to do is for what I want to communicate to you is, is get with Jesus. And allow him to renew, reshape your thinking. Let's go to Hebrews 12, and I'll close with this. It's interesting how the Holy Spirit works. I maybe just knew a couple of scriptures that Annette was going to use, but other than that, we were like, Lord, just whatever you want to do this morning. And I, I'm, I know I'm going to read a lot of scripture here, but I really need you to see this, because it is that aspect of beholding Jesus. No I love that song when when he walks into the room, everything changes. The question is when he w- walks into the room will you allow him to change you? will you allow him to change you? Thank you father just let let the, just let the word minister to you and i 'm going to read. I'm going to read the whole chapter of Hebrews 13. I believe this is important because we really see the heart of God. I'm sorry, Hebrews 12. I'm sorry. Hebrews 12. It says, Therefore, since we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, who have borne testimony to the truth, let us strip off and throw aside every encumbrance, unnecessary weight, that sin which so readily deftly and cleverly clings to and entangles us. And let us run with patience and endurance and steady and act persistence the appointed course of the race that's set before us. Lay aside every weight and sin. Just lay, them aside. lay it aside. Lay it aside every weight. Lay aside every sin. Looking away to Jesus. Meaning, stop looking. Stop, stop allowing your focus to be on your issues. Stop allowing your focus to be on your issues, your problems, your failures, your, your shortcomings. Lay aside, lay those things aside and what? Looking unto Jesus. Looking unto Jesus. See, when you behold Jesus, we'll be transformed, right? Beholding Jesus, we'll be transformed into his image, right? So what we're, we're looking at Jesus. So you know what? I can't look in two directions at the same time. You know, I can't, I can't look at, at every sin and I can't look at weights, right? I can't look at weights and look at Jesus at the same time. I have to put that aside, look away from that and look at this, right? Are you with me this morning? Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of your faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame. He sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Verse three, just think of him who endured from sinners, such grievous opposition and bitter hostility against himself, reckoning up and considering it all comparison with your trials so that you may not grow weary or exhausted, lose heart and relaxing and fainting in your minds. You have yet not struggled and fought agonizing against sin, nor have you yet resisted and withstood to the point of pouring out your own blood. See, this is all what Jesus did that he resisted unto blood. You didn't have to do this, right? I'm so grateful I didn't have to do what Jesus did. Verse 5. And having you completely forgotten the divine word of appeal and encouragement in which you are reasoned with and addressed as sons, my son, do not think lightly or scorn to submit to the correction and the discipline of the Lord, nor lose courage or give up and faint when you reprove or corrected by him. Now hear this. Don't think lightly when you're corrected by him. All right. You got to hear this all. For the Lord corrects and disciplines everyone whom he loves. And he punishes, even scourges every son whom accepts and welcomes to his heart and cherishes. Meaning God loves you. And because he loves you, he wants to correct you. He wants to correct you. Verse 7. You must submit to and endure correction for discipline. God is dealing with you as with sons. For what son is there whom his father does not thus train and correct and discipline? Right. Hallelujah! Now if you are exempt from correction and left without discipline in which all of God's children share, then you are illegitimate offspring and not true sons. Are you a son of God? Yes. That lets, here, it just lets us know that he wants to correct us. Hmm. Moreover, if we had earthly fathers who disciplined us and we yielded to them and respected them for training us, shall we not much more cheerfully and submit to the father of spirits and so truly live? So submit to the father. Submit Just as I would submit to an earthly father because of his discipline, I must submit myself to a heavenly father. See, sometimes there's this disconnect. A lot of times, with teaching with grace, is all of a sudden correction goes out the window. But you understand, we got to understand where correction. What are, what are we doing? We're looking to Jesus. Yes. We're looking to Jesus. Okay. Hallelujah. Verse eleven. For the time begin. For the time being, no discipline brings joy. No one likes discipline. <laughs> But it seems grievous and painful, but afterward it yields peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. A harvest of fruit which consists in righteousness and conformity to God's will and purpose, thought and action resulting in right living and right standing with God. Meaning through these correction that's taking place, what's going to happen is it's going to bring me to a place of right living. Meaning as I'm looking at Jesus and, corre- and, and all of a sudden correction is taking place in my life, is going to cause me to yield to right living. Verse 12. So then brace up and reinvigorate and set right your slackened and weakened and drooping hands. And strengthen your feeble and and palsied and tottering knees. And cut through and make firm and plain and smooth straight paths for your feet. Yes, make them safe and upright. Happy paths that go in the right direction. So that the lame and the halted limbs may not be put out of joint, but rather may be cured. Strive to live in peace with everybody. And pursue the consecration and holiness which without no one will ever see God. Exercise foresight and be on the watch to look after one another. To see that no one falls back from and fails to secure God's grace. His unmerited favor and spiritual blessing. And order that no root of resentment shoots forth and causes trouble and bitter torment. And the many become contaminated and defiled by it. That no one may become guilty of sexual vice or become profane person as Esau did who sold his own birthright for a single meal. For you understand that later on when he wanted to regain title to his inheritance of the blessing, he was rejected, disqualified and set aside for he could find no opportunity to repair by repentance what he had done. No chance to recall the choice he had made although he sought it carefully with tears. For you have not come for you have not come as did the Israelites to a material mountain that can be touched, that is ablaze with fire, into gloom and darkness and raging storm, and to the blast of trumpet and a voice whose words make the listeners beg and nothing more to be said, for they may not uh, the bear the command that was given. If even a wild animal touches the mountain, it shall um, shall be stoned to death. Now, let's verse eighteen says, "You have not come," meaning this isn't talking about us. We haven't come, meaning this isn't pertaining to us. Verse 22, but rather you have come. You have come to Mount Zion, even to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to the countless multitude of angels in festival gathering, and to the church of the firstborn who are registered in heaven, and in, uh, in as citizens in heaven, and to the God who judge of all, and to the spirits of righteous who have been made perfect, and to Jesus, the mediator. Of a new covenant, to the sprinkling of blood, blood, which springs speaks of mercy, a better and a noble and a more gracious message than the blood of Abel. So see to it that you do not reject him, or refuse to listen and heed him. You see, this this started with talking about laying aside every weight and sin. Then it said, "Doing what? Looking to Jesus." You see, as you look to Jesus, you're going to see the adjustments that you didn't mean to make. Why? Because the father loves his children and disciplines us. How is he going to discipline us? By looking at Jesus. Looking at Jesus. We, we didn't come to, the, to the, 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 the mountain that was smoking with fire and that was bringing judgment. But when we came to Mount Zion, we came to Jesus. Amen. We, we came to Jesus. It says, so see to it that you don't reject him. Or refuse to listen and heed him who is speaking to you now. For if they, the Israelites, did not escape when they refused to listen and heed to him who warned and divinely instructed them here on earth. Revealing with heavenly warnings his will. How much less shall we escape if we reject and turn our backs on him who cautions and admonishes us from heaven. Then at Mount Zion, his voice shook the earth. But now He has given a promise. Yet once more I will shake and make tremble, not only the earth, but also the heavens. Now this expression, yet once more, indicates the final removal and transformation of all that can be shaken. Get that? Yet once more indicates the final removal and the transformation of all that can be shaken. That is is of that which has been created. In order that what cannot be shaken may remain and continue. Let us, therefore, let us, therefore, Receiving a kingdom that is firm and stable and cannot be shaken. Offer to God pleasing service and acceptable worship. With modesty and pious care and godly fear and all. For our God is a consuming fire. Let's look at verse 28 again. Wherefore we receiving a kingdom which cannot be moved. Let us have grace whereby we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. For our God is a consuming fire. Beholding Jesus. Beholding Jesus. See, grace was given so we could serve Him with reverent fear. Grace. He provided grace so I could walk humbly before Him. He provided grace. So as I look at grace and as I look at Jesus, He takes out. He takes out what doesn't belong. He brings correction and brings discipline. Fine tunes things. Takes me from glory to glory and faith to faith. But it's all when I choose to stop, be at ease, and behold Him. As I behold Him. I've come to a mountain. Come to a mountain. Come to Him. And so anything that can be shaken... Will be shaken, but that which cannot be shaken shall remain. And my prayer and our prayer is as you look at Jesus, as you behold Jesus, the things in this natural world, your wrong thinking, your wrong mindsets, your wrong perceptions, sins that easily beset you, behavior, as you look at Him, those things will be shaken off you. Those things will be shaken off you to the only thing, the only thing that remains. Is you looking like him. You looking like him. But it starts when we lay aside. And we look to Jesus. I see the Lord high and lifted up. And his train filled the temple. You see when you're in his presence. Allow him to discipline you. Timothy talks about. If a man cleans himself. The man cleansed himself. I mean, when you, when, you, when you allow him, Corinthians talks about cleansing yourself, judging yourself. When you judge yourself, how, how do you judge yourself? It's when you're in his presence and he says, you know what? Don't, don't talk that way. Don't treat your wife like that. know, don't respond to them that way. Well, when you pray for them, or when you witness to them, do it this way. When you correct your children, do it this way. When you minister, don't don't say don't use that word, but use this word. You see, he he wants to perfect you. He is the living Word. Thank you, Father. You know, wherever you are in your life this morning, maybe you're battling depression. Maybe, maybe you're, there's, a, there's sickness in your body. Maybe there's confusion. Maybe, maybe you're, you've just been going the wrong direction, whatever it is. When he walked into the room, everything changed. And it's when you look at him, you allow him to change you. Everyone stand to your feet. Beholding him. Beholding him. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. We behold you this morning. We behold you this morning, Father.
1: Hmm. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.
0: Hallelujah. Hmm. Hallelujah. The enemy would want to beat you up. <laughs> enemy doesn't fight fair. But you know what? The word says we don't fight in the natural. We don't war after the flesh. We don't. It's a spiritual thing. It's a heart decision. It's to behold his word in your life. It's a heart decision. And then when you go to that word, allow him to shape you. Allow him to encourage you. That's why, just to me, time in the Word is so important. It's not about doing the religious duty. It's not about, hey, well, look look how, many, how much Word I, I read. It's, it has nothing to do with that. That's, not, that. that's not looking at grace. That's not looking at Jesus. Let your worship, when you, when you come into the house of God or your personal time and you worship, make sure you, you have time to allow Him to. That you minister to him, but make sure you there's time that he ministers back to you. This isn't this isn't a one-way relationship that you're trying to earn points with God. This is this is when you you worship God, you open your heart to him, and what happens? He floods you. He floods you. The Lord's never gonna flood you with condemnation. He's never gonna flood you with, with how beat you down with how much of a fail you are. When you look at him. You're looking at love. When you and, and and love is going to speak into your life. And he's gonna say, do this. Do that. Yeah, you're when you hear the word, yeah, you're gonna get convicted. Yeah, he may say, Yeah, don't don't do that. Stay away from that. You don't need those friends anymore. Stop watching that. I'm telling you, as you follow. Him, as you look to him and you allow his voice to perfect you, discipline you. Wow, man! You'll see God in ways that you've never had before. You'll see him manifest in and through your life like never before, and you'll believe. I, believe, I like like Isaiah said, man. When you're his presence, he'll take the coal, the presence, the fire that was on the altar that. That man, I love that the, the picture that this gives us that, that Isaiah was in God's presence and he took the very thing that it, you see, we, we look at smoke represented God's presence. He was, a, he was fire, he was smoke. And, and I love that the very thing that produced the smoke, the coals on the altar is what produced the smoke. And he took that coal and he put it on, the angel put it on Isaiah's lips. And God tells him, you're cleansed from your iniquity. Man, it's one thing for me to tell you that you're forgiven. It's one thing for me to tell you that you're saved. But when you encounter God and he tells you you're saved. He tells you you're righteous. He tells you you're holy. He tells you you're anointed. He tells you you're powerful. He tells you that you have a call on your life. He tells you. See, we say these things over you because we want you to understand the heart of God. But I want you to get to a place in your relationship with God where his voice drives your life. His voice speaks over you. His voice calls you. Hallelujah. Let him. Have a personal time with God and allow Him to touch your lips and burn away everything. And I love it. Because it tells us that in Hebrews 12. The only thing that won't be, be taken off is the things that remain. And it says, why? So that the grace of God will cause us to reverence Him. What? And why? Because He's a consuming fire. Meaning He consumes everything away that doesn't belong. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Jesus. He wants to consume everything away. You're watching by way of internet. Allow him to consume everything away. Ha- Negative thoughts about yourself. Allow him to consume it away. Wrong idea. Wrong, wrong identity. Wrong perception. Allow him to consume it away. See, the enemy will want to convince you, well, this is what I am. This is who I am. But yet, you know what he says in his word is totally different different than that don't allow the enemy to deceive you but allow the Lord to speak to you because it's when he speaks to you everything changes oh we worship you we praise you oh we behold you just just lift your hands to him and out of your heart out of your own heart just worship him hallelujah out of your heart just, just in your heart just say I lay aside every weight I lay aside every sin. Hallelujah. And I look to Jesus. Oh, we look to you, Jesus. We look to you, Jesus. We look to you, Jesus. Oh, we look to you. You're faithful. You're faithful. As a (laughs) net deposit, you're faithful. You're faithful. You're faithful. You're faithful. faithful. Hallelujah. You're faithful. Oh Oh Hallelujah Hallelujah Hallelujah
1: Hallelujah
0: hallelujah hallelujah with your eyes bowed eyes closed just just listen to my voice for a moment just the reality that when Isaiah was in that presence he said I'm a man that's undone and he says I'm a man of unclean lips I'm a man that's undone you may feel undone this morning confused this morning he said, yet, he said, the angel touched his lip and, and it said, you're iniquity. What is iniquity? It's not necessarily just sin, but it's weakness. It's your weakness. Exchange your weaknesses for his strength. Exchange your weaknesses for his strength. encountered him before such an encounter that it marks you and it propels you to reach the world that encounter that Isaiah had was not just encounter to cleanse him but it was an encounter to be sent by God disciples experienced Jesus and it was through that encounter with Jesus and the empowerment that came on their lives when the Holy Spirit that caused them to go into all the world and preach the gospel they were marked by that encounter hallelujah the apostle Paul had an encounter and it removed every weakness and it it empowered him to preach the gospel to the world Because ultimately what God wants to do in you is ultimately what he wants to do through you. Pastor Justin, I feel I felt so weak spiritually, so dry spiritually, overcome by the pressures of this world. If that's you, just slip your hand up right where you are.
1: Hallelujah! Thank you, Jesus.
0: Hallelujah! See that hand.
1: See that hand. la rada da bucosieterele vaia
0: i er robocosh inde lele masso co la vaia e lede de bucosala namaya e ridigishon de lede de buosco de lene ni a torra vaia e lunde stiki andur robosa e lene mator rogo terele vaia y de Rabaya. Yolena lenna mato ro bogo schti ki de baia io andelena Mataya, di Isho kora e lo mosha terra mai ndele coatai no schelena mato ro bokoa e la masia torra baia unde schti ki andoro Transform us from the inside out.
1: Thank you, Father. Oh, hallelujah.
0: Thank you, Jesus. Oh, Jesus can make all things new. Jesus can make all things new. All things new. Oh,
1: lava shongun dinna Zora de le de de bukwusan Hallelujah.